0: Hey there, coaches. Welcome to Keep Your Pads Down, where we are the podcast for the men in the trenches, and we make a big deal out of the defensive line. So, whether you're a D line coach or you just want to hang out with us, thank you for checking us out today. Well, I had a great time uh, this past weekend partnering with our coaching network, one of the sponsors for this podcast, and hosting a 425 defensive clinic. It was four straight hours of talking football with some outstanding coaches. We started things off with Harding University defensive line coach Trayvon Biglow, who is a, a, a friend of mine and former guest of this podcast. And we talked about the Bisons twist games that they run uh, about 80 to 85 percent of the time and, and which has helped them be one of the most dominant defensive units uh, in all of Division two over the past few seasons. Like I knew he would, Coach Big knocked the thing out of the park. Uh, on saturday and and he uh, just did a great job so so i really appreciate him joining us he was followed by newly named legacy christian academy head coach toby trotter coach trotter actually spoke for two hours for two two different uh, hour blocks Uh, first on an overview of his defensive philosophy and how he teaches split field coverages to his secondary guys and then uh, in his second block he talked about their three high safety look that they will get into and how they're able to do that without changing any of their coverage rules or their terminology so he did a fantastic job as well with this talk. He's a guy who's coached on the high school and collegiate levels and had great defenses wherever he's been. So, again, just really appreciated him and, and, and enjoyed hearing from him. And then we closed out our day with Midlothian Heritage defensive coordinator coach Eric Edwards. Uh, talk about inside linebacker play in the four two five. which for me, as a green linebacker coach, it was great to hear and learn from him. So, like I said, Saturday was A lot of fun. And I appreciate those three guys for taking some time out of the weekend to share with us. Now, if you would like to have access to Saturday's Clinic or any of the other hundreds of hours of clinics available on our coaching network, then you need to get over there right now and set up your account. It's easy, it's affordable. You can even sign up for a free week and then you can always cancel at any time if you're ready to do that. So there really is no risk. To me, there's no greater investment you can make than investing in yourself. And this is a pretty small investment, but the value you get is really astounding. They have live clinics going off each week that you can check out as well. So get on over to our coaching network today, create your account, and check out our clinic from this past weekend and start sharpening up as a coach today. I also want to make sure I tell you about our friends at GoEdit Graphics. Hey, coaches, spring sports are in full swing. So how are you communicating with your fans, your parents, and community about things like final scores, schedules, starting lineups, or scholarship offers? Well, if you don't have a great answer to that question, then you need to head over to GoEdit Graphics, an awesome graphic design site that allows any coach to create custom graphics from their library of templates in a matter of minutes by changing the colors, text, and images to make it your own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, and communication, to name a few. The platform is easy, it's affordable, and no design skills are needed. GoEdit Graphics is a great way to showcase all your sports and athletes And subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. Also, if you check out our Twitter feed today and see the graphic that we posted with this episode link with Coach Thomas, that entire graphic was created by me in literally just a few minutes with GoEdit. I picked the pictures that I wanted to use, changed the colors and text to what I wanted the graphic to say, and bam, I'm done. So the process is super easy, it's user-friendly, and just like last season, mention keep your pads down when you're ordering and receive $25 off your showcase yearly package. Highlight your athletes with custom-made graphics in less than two minutes with Go Edit Graphics. Okay, so we have a great episode for you today as we head up north to Golden, Colorado to speak with Colorado School of Mines defensive coordinator, Tripp Thomas. Coach Thomas is a young coach who has really had an interesting coaching career up to this point. which started out with him working at UPS and then included stops in Iowa, Arkansas, Florida, Missouri, and now, of course, Colorado. Coach Thomas joined the Mines football coaching staff as a defensive assistant in the summer of 2019 and was promoted to defensive line coach in the winter of 2020. His work with the defense in 2019 helped Mines lead NCAA Division II in third-down defense and ranked number six in rushing defense and number 11 in scoring defense. And that success continued into 2021 as the ore diggers ranked among the national leaders in scoring defense, turnover margin, and sacks and finished the season as the champions of the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference for the third year in a row and a run to the Division II National Semifinals where they lost to eventual champion Valdosta State and finished their season with a record of 12-2. and Before coming to Mines, Coach Thomas was the linebackers and strength and conditioning coach at Southwest Baptist University in Missouri during the 2018 season. Prior to that, he was defensive coordinator for Mountain Home High School in Arkansas during the 2017 season and then was the defensive line and strength and conditioning coach at Grayson University during the 2015 and 16 seasons. Coach Thomas is a Memphis, Tennessee native and a graduate of Missouri Valley College, and today he and I talk about his coaching journey up to this point and how he has really scraped and clawed to get where he is today. We also talk about the challenges and advantages of working at a place like mine's, his defensive philosophy, and I asked Coach for his advice to us coaches trying to get their kids recruited and things that he looks for when watching video of high school defensive linemen. I really enjoyed my conversation with Coach Thomas today, and and we had a lot of fun. He's a funny guy and a really sharp coach, and I know you're going to enjoy what he has to say, so let's get to it. Here is Coach Tripp Thomas on episode number 126 of KYPD. Hey, Coach Thomas. Well, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. today. all the way from beautiful Golden, Colorado. No Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Appreciate you having me. All right. So we, but uh, in our conversation leading up to this, we already figured out we have some, you know, a little bit of common background. You, know, you grew up in Memphis. You coached uh, for a little while at high school football in Arkansas, but currently you're the defensive coordinator, defensive line coach there at Colorado's uh, School of Mines. Let's begin by filling that gap there from Memphis, Tennessee to Golden, Colorado. Kind of give us the details on uh, there, the in-between there.
1: Oh, right on. Um, Well, you know, got done playing college ball and didn't know what you wanted to do, just like probably 99.9% of of other coaches when you get done with college. And, um, you know, I was selling UPS in the city of Memphis. And for those of you that know a little bit about Memphis, that's where FedEx was founded. and so basically, it was it was learning how to be a loser, but gracefully, and I, I couldn't do it. It was one of those things that, I mean, you made great money, um, you know, you're in sales, you're young, it's it's fun, it's attractive, and I got a call from my defensive line coach who had taken the defensive coordinator job at Graceland University in Lamona, Iowa. Never heard of it, again, probably like 99.9% of you, but at the same time, I had always wanted thought I wanted to be a coach, never knew much kind of about, you know, being a player loving to play the game and then kind of having the understanding. uh, It made sense. You know, when you think about what was the same thing from you when you were growing up from the moment you hit elementary school, to the moment you graduated college um, Science changed the math changed um, the history changed. um, But at the end of the day, there was always football season and it was something that made sense to me. And I took a job, um, not making much money. But again, in Lamoni, Iowa, it's not like it takes a lot of money to, to survive. And coaching AIA football, being a defensive line coach, pretty much got there. Moved into my camper, um, walked out, walked over to the field, and uh, and they gave me a defensive line group. And I never looked back. And you know, I did that there for two years. Um, again, wanted more. Uh, Applied for internships everywhere, uh, applied for jobs everywhere. Uh, it was kind of hard coming from a program that you know wasn't really recognized. that being a young guy in the industry, you know, had to take some internships and I was applying around and ended up at Florida A&M, uh, working kind of in the strength conditioning component, but helping out in the in the spring or in the summer ball aspect, um, just because of kind of the rules that they go on there. And did that for I think pretty much the spring into the summer. And took the high school job at Mountain Home High School in in Arkansas, uh, which is a a hidden secret. And uh, was there for, was at the high school level for, I mean, I guess six months. And realized kind of wanted to do more, wanted to kind of get into college coaching on a more competitive level. Um, Applied for a job at Southwest Baptist University. Uh, They ended up hiring another guy, but they they needed uh, somebody to help out. Um, took that job and and kind of pretty much by the time that I had taken that job, the other guy that had gotten the linebacker's job, uh, had gotten a high school job. So I I moved into that GA position, um, was there for a year and a half strength conditioning coach, linebacker's coach. Um, and then got married and went out to Granby, Colorado in, in June, uh, which it still snows in Granby, Colorado in June but uh, we learned a little bit about Colorado School of Mines while we're hanging out in the car, driving around. And um, went, back to, went back to Bolivar, Missouri and sat down and got on football school for a second and uh, saw that they had a job in Colorado School of Mines. I applied. Mike McGlinchey called me back, uh, kind of told me what it was. it was. It was paying pennies to live in, in probably the most luxurious place uh, west of the Mississippi and um talked to my wife and she was into it and that's one thing that throughout this whole thing the only reason it's been possible is because i i kind of had a, a significant, I had a better half that was willing to um kind of go through the mud a little bit and and genuinely appreciate it and we came out to golden and loved every second of it and it was the defensive assistant working with outside linebackers coach McGlinchey got the head job at uh William Jewell and I got promoted to the defensive line and since uh, Coach Greg Brandon retired, uh, Coach Brandon Moore got the head job and um, I was lucky enough to to get the, the defensive coordinator position. So it sounds like it was a little fast-tracked, but uh, I think when I interviewed for the defensive line job, the first slide said like 68,000. I was like, what is that? It's like, well, that's what I've made in the first eight years or seven years that I've been doing this. And. Uh, One of those years was at a high school. So I was getting kind of a teacher salary. So it's, um, it's definitely not something that I kind of like, or I, I semi enjoy. And, you know, it's, it's it's a passive career. It's, it's something that um, I think it's, it's, it's amazing, you know, superficially X's and O's uh, winning and losing, um, but more importantly, kind of getting, getting guys to enjoy these, these five years of their life um is, is is probably the coolest part because the, the parents do the hard part for 18 years and um, we just kind of show up and and do the best we can to not mess that up uh and at the same time give these guys some tools to be successful
0: okay coach that's a pretty wild um coaching uh journey up to this point and you're still young into it uh so i uh, I'm for, for those of us keeping up with our, on our scorecards at home, I'm counting five States. Um, is that correct? Iowa, oh, yeah. Fl- Florida, Arkansas, Missouri, Colorado, five States. Okay. So, you know, a lot of us have moved. I moved five times. I don't know if I've been, and I guess I have two States, I guess is what I've been in. Uh, not five though. So with those five States, Iowa, Florida, Arkansas, Missouri, Colorado, which one's been the biggest adjustment for you? Like you've had to adjust either the weather, culture, how things operate there, foot, the football, the recruiting, like what's been the biggest, the one that you've had to adjust the mo- to the
1: most? Well, I'll hit you with like three areas. Like Lamona, Iowa is about an hour and a half north of Kansas City. So it's, it's you know, not to, it is in corn country. Um, the deer out there, you can mistake them for, for a horse half the time. you are like checking them and it's like, oh, that's got an antlers. You're like, oh, man. Um, and when you live in Tallahassee, and those storms that roll in, and the humidity down there, it's it's wild. But when you live when you live out here, um, you don't sweat. Uh, you it's thirty five degrees, and you're you're burning like your skin. Like you look down at your hand, your hands are red. You lose your breath really quick. Um, Colorado's been a heck of an adjustment. A um, just Kind of geographically, um, B, economically, it's a whole different ballgame game compared to compared to Iowa, Missouri, um, and and I mean, I guess C is it's a pretty cool it's a cool col- culture I guess it's it's a much different culture kind of than a lot of the small towns that we've lived in. Um, you know, there's probably 50 ciders or cidery and breweries on the way. You know, the walk to work. Um, it's, it's definitely kind of a weird niche area. Uh, and it's a, it, it's, it's definitely, you can see how it's the gateway to the West. Um, but more importantly, it's, you have to drink water, uh, more every day. You know, the whole drinking three or four cups of coffee a day thing really goes out the window fast. Um, you learn that if you don't start supplementing water and after that first or second cup of coffee, you're going to have a rough day, uh, trying to stay awake. But I yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and give the nod probably, but Lamona, Iowa gets this. I remember moving there. They were like, You ever heard of the Clippers? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I have like a basketball team around you, like Des Moines up the road. And they're like, no, it's the winds that blow in out of Canada. And I was kind of like, This is how close are we to Canada? Uh but evidently you hit some you hit some pretty flat ground and those winds can can get up to about 70, 80 miles an hour. And uh that was the difference. That was that was definitely a difference. Not a tree in sight to to shield yourself.
0: Yeah. Well, I you know, I, I kind of figured Colorado would be a big adjustment for all the reasons that you mentioned, but I didn't I didn't factor in the coffee thing. That would be really tough for me. When you said two to three cups of coffee, you know, I, I do feel like I do a pretty good job of drinking water, but the water doesn't kick in until very late in the morning. It's kind of coffee hands the baton to the water you know, at some point no it's, it's, it's late, it's late. So I would have to uh, make a big adjustment there uh, if I'm coaching Colorado full time and, and the whole losing your breath, I, I, you know, I'm sure that's, that's something too. you. you know, I guess you got to choose how you expend your breath and who you're going to yell at and who you're not going to yell at that day.
1: That was probably my favorite part about living in Arkansas was that you got all the good, the good old boy quotes. And it's like, you know, I remember one coach looked at me and like I was working with some guys and he's like, don't you better save that breath. And I was kind of like, what do you mean? He's like, you're going to want that back on your deathbed. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <damn." laughs> like, it's just that good old boy humor. And he, he laid it out thick, but no, I mean, that's, you know, there's perks to live it everywhere. And, and, um, but there's also, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of learning curves when you bounce around for, I guess, yeah, five States. I got a map somewhere that has pins in them that, I yeah, I, I mean, yeah, good. you, you
0: got to keep that going like, like a red line charting all the uh, all the moves that would be um, if, if at this rate, that's going to be some some something to see here in a few years. So someone who's not a coach listening to this, you know, coaches get it, you know, you move around, you're, you're kind of you live a nomadic life sometimes and 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 especially early on. And, and you talked about the the small amount of money you've made along the way for for someone who maybe doesn't understand that they don't get that, like what's kept you in it? Because a lot of guys, it would be at this point, they're like, Hey, I'm still young. It's it would be easy for me to take an exit ramp off of this thing and kind of just parlay this into something like business or do something else in my life, make a whole lot more money and live where I want to live. What's kept you in it up to this point?
1: Uh, um, I don't know. I guess life experiences that it kind of happened. Just, I mean, like you said, you know, 30, 31, about to be 32 in April. Um, I'm, I mean, I am young. And I remember it was probably, you know, you kind of learn early on. You kind of go through some life, have stuff happen. You, you start to genuinely appreciate how short life is and enjoying what you do every day. Uh, because one day it, it, it's going to happen. And, and, and what's your legacy? And it's kind of like if your legacy is following your dreams and pursuing a passion, um, this kind of, when I got promoted to defensive coordinator, my wife like commented and put a really sweet post and like, I just read it and it was like, it might've been two or three sentences, but it was genuine just because it's like, you know, we set goals and we've obtained them and it hasn't been easy. And we haven't gotten to live in places that were fun when we were in our like twenties, mid twenties, when it's, you know you're supposed to all your friends are out getting you know their first 2017 Silverado and buying their first house and having their first kid and you're kind of like do we have enough to go to Mexican Monday and get like two for one like, taquitos or something. Like we're not doing margaritas, we can't do that. Like we'll do that at the house. But it was I mean I think that's probably been the most fun. Is learning how to not make enough, not make any money, but genuinely enjoy waking up at 5 30 a.m. and get home at, hell, 10, maybe PM in season, you know, out of season, you're still getting home at, you know, six, you know, you're having recruiting weekends where you're gone for 48 hours, you're, you're gone to Texas recruiting for five days, three times a year, um, you know, and that's half the stuff they do at D1 like and I know that and that's a and that's a passion of mine but I also know that that's a whole different business model and you know it's it's being as fortunate as I am to be a Colorado School of Mines and have this be the first place that I renewed a a lease um, and get a promotion here and and become a full-time coach It's, it's 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 overwhelming just kind of how high did you, how high have you set your goals? And like, how hard are you working and how, you know, everybody's talking about, you know, I'm, I'm grinding. And it's like, well, I mean, if you're passionate, it's fun. And it's, if it's not fun, it's a grind. And who wants to do that for 30 years? I'm living in five States. I haven't gotten any like benefits. It's not like my, it's not like my retirement slowly just built up like, Oh man, this guy's got all this experience. Well, we'll pay him for being four years as a coach.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I'm just uh curious what what advice would you give to a young guy who's uh getting ready to jump into this 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 coaching profession, you know, now we're in the spring semester, you got guys getting ready to graduate uh and and kind of looking at what's next, what's down the road. Uh what advice would you give those guys?
1: Um well, I mean, student loans make everything hard. And if I had to like, you know, you want to talk to those guys, it's like nothing's going to be easy. And they're going to call you and ask you for more money every month. And you're going to tell them you want me to pay three hundred dollars a month and I make seven hundred and sixty. How is this working out? You know, once you go to, you know, you get into a master's program, you know, be a G.A. And while you're a G.A., get your master's, Um, you know, pursue that kind of stuff you know, no matter if you get elevated to a full-time position, just obtain that, um, you know, be be willing, like opportunity knocks, like you, you get off football scoop and it's like all these high, you know, really cool jobs everybody would want. Um, but at the end of the day, like you're going to have to take jobs nobody wants and be okay with it. Um, but you you don't have to be okay with what you're putting on the field and, you know, that's, you know, you recruit your butt off. If you're at a school that, you know, doesn't retention is awful because it's a bad place. Well then, you know, aim to fix that recruit five kids from the same high school, just find a way that you have a niche, have an A. Be a you know, defensive line coach, be a front sevens coach. Um, You know, I I don't like thinking that I'm a defensive line coach. Uh, I like thinking that, you know, I can coach anything in the front seven. And that's kind of, I guess, the more that the older I've gotten, the more that I've realized I wasn't ready for that opportunity. Um, But being around years of ineffective and effective coaches. You get a little bit of that. And as long as you stay true to what, you know, it'll all work out. So have an A. But B, you got to have something else. you got to be. You got to be a, a menace in recruiting. Um, you got to have some background strength and conditioning. Um, you know, you've it's, you always have to have something else to go along with it. You know, be you know if you've ever done anything in an office assistant role, put it on there because no one wants those duties. And if you are capable, everyone's going to pass them to you, and you're going to have a chance to impress nine coaches on staff. And if you impress one of those guys, um, and it's, it's, it's going to be an opportunity and don't ever be okay with ineffective scheme. Like if you have, if you have a point, prove it. And if you have a thought, keep it to yourself.
0: Yeah, that's a, uh, that, that's great advice there. And, and, um, you know, it's one of those things, a lot of guys will hear what you're talking about and hear about the journey you've made and, you know, kind of read through it, pretty quickly. And then sort of get what gets lost in that is the years of struggle and the years of living paycheck to paycheck and kind of not really you know, knowing what's next. And that all sounds great to everybody listening. But then when you say, okay, Hey, now you go do that. Like you go, go get ready to do that. And like, ah, but you know, like, and I, and I've used this, this quote on this podcast before, but everybody loves to hear a good story, but not many people want to be one, you know, be a part of one. And, hmm. and I think that that's one thing we all have to just and I say we, including myself, who's um, on down the road a little bit, a little bit further ahead as far as years go, is you know from you, but we're pretty much pretty much uh, close. You know that even now I still have to be prepared for things that come up that are you know pull me out of my comfort zone or or you know that that challenge me and and not get caught up in a rut. Um, I, I want to ask you this now because you've gone, you've done something pretty remarkable just at the school where, where you are now currently and starting out as as an assistant, you know, as a, not even a full-time guy to now a defensive coordinator. So, what's what's it been like uh, since that since that promotion? So, okay, now it's it's I have to take ownership in this and I'm not the guy making suggestions anymore. I'm the guy making the decisions on this side of the ball. What's that been like and and how have you started to form okay, this is what our defense is going to be like. This is how how we're going to practice, this is how we're going to approach things. All of that that goes into being a coordinator.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think it'd be funny to to have somebody else repeat like the first meeting, like the first defensive staff meeting. Like we all walk in, like so we sit down. There's 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 not many. I think there's one new face. um, One of the assistants from the offense has come over and kind of started working with the defense. And you know, we all sit down and kind of just you know BSing and talking. And I like I've just you know realized everybody's looking at me, and I kind of look back at them and it's like oh y'all y'all are are waiting for me to 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 give direction um you know it's one thing to go to to, through your daily motions and and last fall you know I got a lot of coach Moore um really gave me a lot of ownership and a lot of freedom in the run game uh, to incorporate some new things and I mean coming off the year before before the COVID year we were the number one rush defense in in the country And, and I was the defensive assistant and I watched it and I mean we we're a base team and we weren't going to stray from that. And we, we wanted that opportunity to, I mean, just call one thing, let, let the, let the formation kind of get into it, get us into what we were going to go to and, and play. And our guys played relentless and it was simple. And, um, and I watched it and kind of took notes and, and I always thought, you know, one day you'll be a defensive coordinator. And I built a playbook. That I I think finally when I finally got became a defensive coordinator and I looked at it it was 117 slides and I just kind of laughed because the best defense that I've ever you know seen was the number one rush defense in the country was a play base on first second and and anything third and and underneath like five yards and uh, I was just kind of like well it, keep it simple like defense is a reactive play it's a reactive group of people. And the moment that you have their eyes in four different places, they're not reacting fast enough. And that yard counts. And so I guess kind of to, to get back on topic, um, you know, creating an install and creating an install that, you know, being a front seven guy, being a guy that's coached defensive line, coach linebackers, um, our DBs coach is somebody that, I mean, we, we go to lunch, we hang out, uh, we work out together. Like he's, He's 20, I think, 26, 27. He was, uh, he was a Mines graduate. Um, so I've got a guy who graduated from Mines um, in, e- in economics, I think, with an econ master's um, coaching the back end. So he's a guy that is probably the best part of my day. Um, he is he's very matter-of-fact, uh, but at the same time, he's very trustable and he's you know he he gets stuff done his work ethic is impeccable um and that's kind of the people that i've enjoyed surrounding myself around just because <clears throat> that's that's a like personality for me i don't like to micromanage people i don't you know i don't want to have to know what what you're talking about just because a you've seen it b you believe in it and This opportunity is something that I've seen people grow. I haven't seen a defensive assistant for Mines um, since I backtracked, you know, three guys before I came here who don't have a full-time job in Division II. And that, you know, that was something that was like, wow, um, that's what got me here. That's what brought me here. And that's what makes me have a different sense of pride and value and the people that I want to place around me to to implement what we do here. Because if you believe in it, um, you're going to take it, you're going to grow it and it's successful because I can tell you it's successful because it's proven. And superficially the statistics, you know, state that you know, if you do this right and you understand a principally based defense, it's 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 amazing.
0: With that being said, talk to us specifically about the kind of defense you guys are going to roll out, um, you know, it's beginning with the front and working your way back, uh, just, you know, just in kind of a, a bird's eye view of of what uh, we would see if we were to watch you guys
1: practice. Uh, I mean, it's just three, I mean, we're three, four, uh, three, four, and we're just playing, you know, four, four over the top. Um, it's, it's simple. We're, we're, we're bear based. And essentially, um, you know, our, our defensive line um, isn't going to be the biggest, Uh, But we don't play necessarily uh, kind of in that front three. We don't play the slant and angle game. Um, You know, we play thick through the man, um, just depending on kind of what side of him we're going to play heavy through. And, you know, when you get to the kind of the edge side of it with our outside backers, um, they are boundary guys more of a, you know, that hybrid linebacker, D lineman, you know, the guy that we had this past year he's, he's probably one of the best pass rushers um, I, I've ever, I've ever seen in person. And that's not to say that like on TV or anything, but just watching him, he's, he's special. But at the same time, you know, those overhangs do a great job of, of reading through the mesh, you know, we're seven in the box. So we, we love, we love people that run the football. Um, but more importantly, we have to be, we have to be protected to the perimeter. And with our field side, outside backer, you know, we kind of get that hybrid safety um, linebacker guy uh, who just, um, he's, he's he's our savviest player. And you pair him with the field side end, who's probably gonna be your more athletic uh, defensive end. It kind of gives them a little bit of a freedom to work off each other. Um, but inside we just play with a big backer and, uh, and, a, and a little backer. And we let those two guys, that one guy, you know, bring the hammer. And then uh, the other guy just knacks across the backside and, and make sure that, that uh, nothing gets past the, the front side and the cutback. But our safeties do a great job um, reading everything inside out and uh, trusting what their principal and their key tells them and um, attacking the football. It's so one thing I love about this place is these guys attack the football.
0: Well, I, I want to, I, I do definitely want to, want to talk about that here in one second. We, we talked in our in previous conversations leading up to this, how, you know, everyone says this and, you know, every defensive coordinator, you could interview a hundred of them and a hundred of them are going to say this, but that you guys pride yourselves on stopping the run. You know, no one's going to say, actually, we really don't care about the run. We just want to get out to the pass. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, because you can't do one without the other. Right. But just in our conversations, though, you, you mentioned that like, hey, we love playing the run. I love coaching, defending the run. Um, which is not always the first thing you hear out of a defensive line coach's mouth, right? So talk about that. Like out of this scheme, you know, you talk about your bear base out of an odd front. And, you know, how are you? How are you doing that? How are you playing the run? Uh, is it a? Are you playing double threes with those ends and a head up nose with the outside backers walked up? Like how do you get to that? Just talk about uh, sort of what that looks like and how you're defending the run out of that out of that uh, out of your defensive front.
1: Yeah, uh, you know the defensive line. Um, you know they they play head up on the tackle, but they have the freedom. Um, you know the biggest thing we talk about is trying to maintain and contain through the B gap. You know we always talk about putting the seam in the scheme. Um, I think one of the most underrated values um, of defensive line players is, is after being a linebacker player, there is a there is probably in in any given week three more hours in a film section, in a D-line room, compared to a linebacker room. In a linebacker room, you are swamped. You're going every you're going to every check, two, you know, two by two with a tight end, two by two is the on the ball, is the off the ball, three by one, you know, you are covering everything. And defensive line is just like, well, we're gonna go this way, we're gonna go that way, we're gonna play really physical, um, you know, this is defensive line play. And people talk about, I think the biggest complaint you know, when you, when, when you, when people tell me like, oh yeah, man, like I, hell yeah, who who does, who doesn't want to stop the run? Um, well, let me see your individual drills and I'll guarantee you majority of, of, of us, because I use them, but use agility bags entirely too much within your practice. And Defensive line play is played with, everybody wants to know, why is Aaron Donald so special? He's a freak of nature, A. But B, he hits you every play. And he's putting two hands on your chest, and he's putting two hands on your chest, and he's, I mean, just boom, bull rush, bull rush, bull rush, bull rush. And then boom, comes out and just, you know, elbow, whip, arm over. And then now now you're playing passive again. And boom, bull rush, bull rush, bull rush. And he does it every play. And he's got a motor that won't quit. That's how defensive line is supposed to be played. Because if the offensive line has a bad game, guess what? The running back has a bad game. And more importantly, the quarterback has a bad game. And, you know, we play our tackles. I think the most important position in the front seven is, is your nose guard. Um, you know, I think something that we preach, and 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 I, I'm sure it's been preached here before, before I got here. Um, but if there is a bad snap, then That the center gets, the the nose guard is getting a, a plus. Like it doesn't matter if that snaps wide left, wide right, if that snap, you know, rolls back there, gets high. If he messes up the timing of the play because he's affected the center, then the play is already won. And once that, like, once you can teach that selflessness of those front three, everyone else gets the opportunity to reap the glory. But at the same time, You know, you have to understand that big brother, little brother concept complex where little brothers are usually a little bit more athletic and kind of get a little bit more accolades because the big brother put them on the map while he was going to that school. Um, That's that's the mentality that we have. It's it's playing defensive line here is not the first first slide I show everybody is it's it's not an ability. It's a mindset like the ability helps, but like it's the mindset that you are willing to selflessly make everybody around you better. And like keeping that going is 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 hard. I mean we had 50 53 sacks last year. So these guys do rush the passer. Um, I'm not I mean I'm not just some you know just jerk who's like we're only gonna punch the two man and we're gonna hit each other. Um, but you know we we dance, but you know that's that's second. Um, but you know with the inside we we play off with a with a gap step, you know, we step to the B gap and you know what we get is is how we react. Um, you know, if we get the guard to us, we're putting a seam in the scheme. Um, you know, if, if we get our vision key away being that guard's outside shoulder, um, we're, we're we're trying to feel for that pressure key and hold that thing flat to the line of scrimmage, prevent the cutback and the nose is responsibility. Um, He's got techniques, um, but within those techniques, his sole responsibility is make sure the front side backer does not get touched. And doesn't matter if he gets the two yard TFL, he's still getting a uh, minus plus, uh, just because it's, you, you did, you made a play, but, my Mike Backer's been blocked, and that's selfish of you. And we allow him to be selfish, but um, every now and then, you can put the you, you can you can you can do it. But um, we're going to dictate early that it's going to be a physical football game. And, you know, inside we talk about that Mike. Um, you know, he's going to he is going to come downhill and make sure that the double team on the front side does not beat his big brother up. And once that gets cleared up, it's a fight between who's more aggressive to get the tackle, and the backside guy is just going to stack the double inside, and you know after after he stacks the double if the back keeps the front side he can he can play it downhill if he keeps the backside, he knows that uh that guard being off with the backside technique and the principle that 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 tackle's using um he's going to be able to kind of work it backside off that cutback lane
0: okay, so uh. Just let, let me kind of back up for a second. So um I with with your nose, um, he's coming off and being thick on the center. Really all of your guys um are are like you talked about earlier, being, you know, they're they're thick on the the man in front of them, uh, where your your tackles are a little more uh read and react, right? Like they're taking their step based on what that their 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 visual yeah. key is, the guard. And then I'm just kind of recapping what I got here to make sure we're we're on the same page. I talked fast. Talk no, fast. No, 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 no. And then your, your Mike is, is he's, he, he's reading that double team. And when you say he's making sure it's not beating his big brother up, like he's, he's yeah. coming down to, to pull that double team apart. Correct. Right. Yeah. To, to, to he, threat, he, to, he,
1: yeah. Just getting one-on-ones front side.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then your will has the ability to, based on how that's going. And if, if, if his, if his, uh, if his tackle in front of him, you know, is eating up that big gap, he can, he can roll back, roll back. Oh, and yeah. take, take care of C gap, like off the quarterback's pulling it or something like that. So yep. they they are, they're, they're reading, they're, obviously they're reading those blocks in front of them and then they, but they know where they're playing and they're, you know, the mic's more of a plugger. Your will's kind of the, like you talked about earlier, you can float around and, and, yeah. uh, and, and, and make some plays depending on what happens in front of him. So with that, okay, now see you, you probably stepped on some toes there when you talked about the agility bag. So everybody wants to know then, What's your, uh, what's your individual looking like? Um, You know, when you do talk about, you know, wanting to be physical and wanting to have that mentality, what's, what's your individual look like? What are some drills or, you know, what's like a a typical day an individual look like for you guys?
1: You know, we, I mean, we do, we, you know, I put, I like to put, I put the pop-ups up against a fence and we'll do six point explosion through that. And, you know, a big emphasis there is the hips and the hands synonymously working together and, 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 pressing through that thing and marrying that chin to that shoulder. And like when we roll, you know, we really force, you know, that long hip, long arm, same side, and it's, you know, boom, it's roll. Um, and at the same time they're doing that, um, you know, the, the nose guards are kind of, the nose guards and the tackles will be over there working on the one man. I don't like idle time. And we're 3-4 defense, and we have probably 18 guys, 16 guys at defensive line, 17 guys at defensive line. Um, so there tends to be some stagnant times. And, you know, the same way that, like, in a hiring process, I need guys around me that are um, self-motivated. Um, I, I need, I, 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 that's the same way we go out and recruit. You know, we find guys that are motivated. I mean, to get into minds, you have to be a self-motivated human being in general. But there are a lot of people that are incredibly smart, and it comes easy to them. Uh, But that's that's through a different betting process. But you know, one group of guys are working on the one man, um, and that that one man's going to be straddling the line. And you know, the big emphasis there is a wide base, running our feet, uh, locking it out, hips and hands, and it's you know six hard steps with each leg. And you know, once they're done with that, make sure that the the one man lines back up on that line. If it comes off. Um, you know you need to get behind one arm more. it's just it's positive reinforcement it's instant feedback and it shows them you know we're over here we're working to punch and roll that hip and get behind that that arm from a from a four-point stance six-point stance and then over here we're running our feet and then we'll flip it do the same thing on the other side Um, and then we go over to the two-man and then we're at the two-man we do we do a punch and run um, where again, we're punching, you know, rolling our hips, locking it, locking it out, rolling our, uh, running our feet. Uh, we blow the whistle. We bring the rip. Um, you know, big emphasis there is is when that two man comes down. That two man needs to to rub the shoulder. If it's not hitting your shoulder, you're getting way too much separation. Um, that separation is causing a wider gap at back for behind, behind your backer. Um, it's giving that that guard an opportunity to get a block and that back to get a read. So, you know, we talk about those things and that's the intricacies that I think that that people underestimate the capability of a defensive lineman to to understand. Um, But that gives them that little bit of of ammunition for the selflessness that we ask them to kind of live and that that life we ask them to live. So we'll do that. um, And then we alternate days off the two man and we'll we'll come off and it's just we'll talk about driving that first step and then flipping the hip on the club. huge proponent of throwing the club and, and using the forearm. Um, you know, a lot of those guys in the NFL make that stuff look so easy. And I mean, even D1 guys where they're coming off and they're timing up hands and I mean, slap ripping it and just catching it perfectly. Uh, but there's so much to to be worked into it, just with the overemphasis of like throwing the forearm and taking the surface area away off the back shoulder. That way you're not getting jousted and knocked back. And you know, throwing that forearm and bringing the elbow, and after you bring that elbow, you know, working to bend the edge. And you know, we work that where it's you know, the step, boom, boom, one step, and then they fade out. Then um, after we get done with that, uh, it's a quick water break, and then we pot up, and um, and then we kind of work some of those principles that we apply off of step into that gap and getting the guard to you with the vision key to you, and then with the guard being away from you. Um, and they have the understanding between themselves that we could bring the scout team online over and then have them help us do it. Um, but they would rather make each other better because they know the little things with the chip bag block on the zone and, you know, little things like that, that they work because they feel it and they, and they see it. You know, they like working that stuff against each other. And, um, you know, kind of, we do that stuff for, for probably a five minute period. Um, you know, we do a little bit of stuff where, you know, we do a two gap, uh, we do a two gap period, which we don't do a lot of, but, you know, if you get caught stepping into that gap and you get down the center plate, um, it has to convert to something. And so we work that kind of stuff, but, you know, we always start out with a thick portion where we're just punching. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, let's push each other a little bit, but, you know, we tempo it throughout the week, depending on, you know, what the game week was before, you know, right now during spring ball. Um, we're doing a lot of stuff from a three point stance and season we'll start from a two point stance where we're engaged and we've already got our read and we're boom reacting for it and running our feet. But once we do that, um, we kind of go into a run game disengage portion. And so we've been thick, we've worked heavy hands. We've worked everything with the bull rush. Um, I think my favorite staff, the number one, the number one sack producing pass rush move in the NFL is a bull rush. Um, but nobody ever tells you about how they got off the bull rush. And, um, that's, that's kind of an important part. And so we work that for three or four minutes where we're really working on the elbow, you know, thumb up, flipping the hip, pinning it and driving it. Um, and then we get into a, probably a, a five minute pass rush session, um, where, you know, once a week we work speed pro, um, and that's, you know, that's working a speed, just a speed chop rip. Um, and then we're working the speed, you know, the ghost post into the, just the dropping it down to the rip and turning the corner. Um, Take it from there we take it up to you know working um to the counter Um, we'll take it to a speed to a chop spin back inside and then that's pretty much that day um and then if we have any time before we get to pass rush with the offensive line again we'll get into some disengaged stuff with like you know we've got the rip we'll get into rip rip release and uh, we'll kind of hone in on some of that stuff and um and then we go to pass rush and then we're in the team and And then it's indie, and then the next day we kind of flip it, and we go from a speed pro to a long arm pro, and um, you know work just just one other. Maybe we'll probably work two. We probably work two to three disengage things throughout the season, Um, as the season carries on. Depending on what we're getting, we'll work to to some arm over stuff and little stuff like that. Just if they're inside zone or midline zone team, just depending on what they're kind of working.
0: Talked about the 1 on 1 pass rush or or pass rush pass pro with your offensive line uh, how do you guys do that or, or at your place you know um I, i've talked about i think this is, can sometimes be a hot button issue between d line and o line coaches and about the validity of it and you see it every time you know a, a video goes viral of some five stars at a at a camp somewhere going at it and the the five star left tackle grabs the dn and and steer dogs him to the ground and everybody's oh and but in the same way the dn is some you see he's lined up in lane eight and he knows it's passed and he i mean it's so it's it's you can argue the merits of it either way but i think a lot of people have started to do things to sort of make it more game like how do you guys do that over at your place
1: it's funny you say that because I've told all my buddies that that tackle that everybody was hyping up on Twitter, he like grabbed the guy. I don't know where he's from and I'm not going to use his name because he's going to make millions of dollars and I probably won't. Um, but he grabbed that guy, like threw him into the back of the quarterback at like the Pro Bowl practice. And I'm like, that just cost him about two rounds in the draft. And it's like, they, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you, if you mess up, a guy who just got paid $500 million, $400 million, $200 million over four years is ACL, and you end that, um, man, uh, you better be a pretty good bang for your buck. Uh, But, uh, yeah, no, I think, you know, we – I think one-on-ones have to be treated situationally. You know, we don't do them every day. Um, There's a lot of times that, you know, I'll talk with the O-line coach, and it's just like, man, I don't need to see it. Like, we're good. If we had, like, a team period that day where it was good on good, um, we might not go to pass rush that day um but we work you know we'll start out we just work down the line and you know it's I don't you know personally as a D line as a defensive guy I don't think an O lineman should ever lose a one-on-one um anytime just because if if, if you if you have the proper technique it's 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 a lose-lose just because yeah you're on an island but at the same time you know the snap count and you know where he's coming from it's not like there's any twist games or anything like that it's it's just stay on, his, stay on your post, legs, like, stay on his low hip and force him to react. Once he reacts, sink it in. And like, I don't know, but that's just me personally. Again, maybe another hot button issue. Maybe your next guy. Will,
0: yeah. There's, there's sit. O-line coaches screaming at their, if, in, their yeah. in their truck on the way there. And you know what? Let them scream. That's fine. But um, yeah. yeah, there's, there's definitely, uh, there's a guy out there who would love to, uh, you know, have a rebuttal, but, Hey, dude, this is a D-Line podcast. Go make your own. There's, there's, there's podcasts out there for O-Line guys, so go get on those. Well, you talked about how, um, you know, that your guys just play hard. And I would, you know, you kind of, you guys aren't like a, you know, like a service academy or anything, but, like, when I think of School of Lines, like, I kind of think of it, it's, it's very much in that, that kind of same vein, though. Like, I would think you would get those types of kids who are, like you said, very self-motivated. Um, we've had a, the coach on from, from, uh, VMI here. we have had a coach on from air force. Um, I just kind of like, those are all the same types of kids that you're getting. Like yeah. you don't get up there. You don't find your way to school up there without being a special individual. And, and so I would imagine that, and you can correct me where I'm wrong here, but that, you know, begging those guys to play hard is not something you have to do. But how do you get them to reach that next level from where they are when they get on campus to where they are, you know, even they're raising their level of play and, and their 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 um, pursuit to the ball even more so than it is when they first get there?
1: Man, could you imagine like starting your day off and like calculus and then going to like chem three and then you're in like a uh, diff eq i don't even know what that stands for, but every kid that ever talked about it just looked like they had this look on their face of bewilderment um but it's 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 a different pride you know there's like there's we got a lot of guys from out of state we got a lot of guys from in state um but like the overall consensus is just they get it's it's they get beat up up the hill, and these are not these are not young men that take um losing well and I walk around at the age of 31 with a mustache and I tell them it's because they give me that ability to do it um it's not exactly the, the best look I think I have um but at the same time springtime sun might come out I don't know I need a good tan um but like They go, they go up the hill. I mean, they get hit with classes and they get hit with work. And I mean, it's almost kind of like they get this two hours in a sanctuary environment where it's like nothing else matters. And they look to their left and they look to the right and they can look to their coaches and they can look to their strength coach and they can look to their, their equipment guy. They can look to their athletic trainer and they just know that everyone that they're looking at loves everything about them loves how successful they are, loves how self-sufficient they are, loves how they're always willing to do their due diligence. Like, I mean, there is there is plenty of dumb questions in this world that, they, you know, just hey, gloves are off. You know, they lied to you as a child. There are tons of dumb questions. And I have yet to, to, to really experience one, you know, since I've been here, I mean, it's 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 kind of, you know, when you're on the field, and you ask somebody, like, hey, what are you seeing? You know, a lot of guys are like, I'm just out of here balling. And you're like, all right, uh, well, they just ran power for 60. So uh, where were you balling? <laughs> and, uh, oh. but, like, you know, these guys are like, yeah, coach, the guard's coming, he kicked me out through his inside shoulder, the back cut it up underneath his butt. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know where the backer fit. And then you go talk to the backer, and he's like, man, I fit it outside he's like, I saw it wrong. And you know, last second I I tried to get back in and boom, the center cop. And you are just like, okay. Like, how are you mad at that?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Like when when you, when a kid comes out and he runs a technique wrong and he's coming over to you and he's just like, I've got got to get behind that inside arm. And you're like, all right, cool. Like, it's way too cold for me to be out here not doing anything. Like I can go to the box and like be warm, and y'all could do all this yourself, but you do need somebody down there to give them like that look where it's like, the hell are you doing?" And it doesn't take any more than that, yeah, I mean, it's cool,
0: yeah, so I've never um taught at a institution like where you are now, you know, of full of of kids who are you know, extremely smart. Not that, and this is not a knock against my own kids that I have now, but I mean, let's, you know, there's a, it's a different level. Okay. Um, I don't want to get in my, myself in trouble here. No. I guess the only thing that I can compare it to is when I was really young and teaching, they put me in a class of, of AP kids. Okay. So I'm teaching an AP class. And one thing I learned pretty quick is like with the kids who are like the on-level kids, I can say that the grass is blue and they're gonna be like, whatever, you know, no like you can tell them whatever about wh- anything. And they're just like, yeah, cool. We don't care. But those AP kids, you better have, if you're going to say something, you better have reasons to back it up and data and everything. Like otherwise they sniff it out pretty quick. Cause they're going to ask questions and they're going to want to know why. And they're going to go look it up on their own. And they're going to figure out if you're right or wrong. and. And if, and if you are wrong, they're going to tell you. And it it was, it wasn't necessarily fun because it was especially, and I was, I was young, like now it wouldn't be a big deal for me because I have a, a, a little bit more uh, experience obviously than I did when I was two or three years into this thing at the time, that was really intimidating. Is, is that kind of how it is with, with your guys? Like, Hey man, you got to know your stuff. And, and, and to the point where, and be ready for guys to challenge you or call you out on it. Not like they're trying to be disrespectful, but just because, hey, they want to know this is what they do. And so I would imagine that as a coach, that that really forces you to be sharper on your own stuff. Is that is that right?
1: Oh, yeah, you nail on the head. I mean, we had you know Luke Jeter was here last fall, and I mean, I only had the luxury of, of coaching Luke for a year, but like Luke was dynamic, and you know, we'd come in and, and maybe, maybe tweak one or two things on the backside of the stunt of how we were going to play it. And I'd walk in and, you know, install it, you know, install it, boom, boom, You know, anybody got any questions, concerns, they're like, all right, like, cool, kind of just, you know, matter of fact, we just say it just because I think you're supposed to. And, uh, Luke would be like, well, and me pull out this notebook and he'd like, like, well, you know, he got here and I think got there in like 2017. And like, well, um, uh, see back, you know, when I got here, we actually ran it like this. And you're like, is that date? And like, you look at the date and it, it might have said 2016. And I'm like, look, that was, that was six, five years ago. <laughs> like, yeah, like fast forwards and it's like, well, no, we ran it this way again the next year. And then like, it's like, well, yeah, we did tweak it that year. And I'm like, it's, 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 it's almost kind of like, yeah, you can walk in and say whatever you want but you are not going to be prepared for that lack of preparation. And truthfully, a lot of the guys, I kind of started picking up on it. Some of them just won't even tell you, like, they ran it different. And then you're watching it on film and you're like, why aren't, we, oh, wait, that, that looks good. And they are like, yeah, that's how we ran it last year. And you're like, oh, okay, run it that way then. And, but I mean, it's, it's, they're, they're, they're so smart, um, but at the same time, they are willing to defer to you for your career. It's kind of like, they know that they're gonna be trusted in their career and they're all adults in in the fact of, it's kind of, it's a business. It it genuinely is. You know, they come here to, to be prepared, to get this degree, to go out into the real world and apply it and make boatloads of money and have vacation homes and all that kind of stuff. And, but more importantly, like they're, coming here to be prepared to go into some facet of business or engineering football is just kind of like yeah i'm good at it and well i'm also really good at wanting to work out if i have to get stronger to play this game um i'm also really willing to i mean you have to rip kids off the field after practice like stop hitting the one man like stop like in in three weeks you're gonna be like my groins are bad and be like well you've been hitting the one man for four hours a week extra and it's like well i just i gotta get better at this and it's like get better at practice and it's like okay so i mean I, I tell people all the time i save two hours of individual drills every week just in conversation
0: yeah and i would uh i would imagine that that again that's that's probably an underrated part of of especially coaching at a place like that is 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 the um, just the conversations that you're able to have with those guys. Kind of like what you alluded to earlier when they come off the field and they're already explaining what they're doing. Uh, to me, it's a lot like coaching a senior versus a freshman. You know, when you it, one of the, the best things about coaching seniors in high school is once they've kind of they know how how it's you know they know what what it's supposed to look like what it, what's supposed to happen. That it really daily coaching them becomes more like just a continuous conversation. Not a, yeah. I am the coach and you're the player and you do this as I tell you to do. But it's more like, hey, this is this is what I saw and this is what we're gonna do. And you know, what's your what's your what are your thoughts on that? Or what do you see out there? And it just becomes some this back and forth dialogue, and then so those those blow up moments become fewer and farther between, you know. And and I think I would think that would be a benefit to to coaching at a place like where you are.
1: Yeah, no doubt it's a, it's a blessing. Um, it's you know I I know there's not many places out there like it I mean you've even talked about it just in the few schools that you hit on I mean I'm sure all of those guys say something similar and you know it, is it an Achilles heel to, to to be handicapped to one type of person like you have to go out and I mean for us we have to if you don't love math and science I I, I can't help you. Uh, and and if you don't have any, if if you don't want to go to college and like not live college like a college kid, well, I mean, it's like I've got a I've got an opportunity for you. Like if you had, if you're if you were an adult at the age of 18 and division two is where you're going, Mines, and then you have the academics and the you know, Ivy leagues, and you're like, I don't really like the Northeast, like I'm not a city guy. And it's like, well mine's a pretty good spot to be in. And, and a lot of, I mean, we lose, we lose guys to division, to, to division one. We lost a lot of guys this year to division ones. And as, as like as hard as that is to take in, it, it, we still were in the running for guys until the last second. And that's where we aim to shoot is go get the best possible product and recruit the heck out of them. We go to, we go to the Air Force Academy all the time in the summer to go to camps, um, in the spring. I mean, we recruit the same person. It's almost like, you know, do you want the military or do you want kind of the private sector, you know, going into the business side of it? You can get both at the, at the air force Academy. It's just one's going to have a different tag to it, different investment probably.
0: So when you are recruiting and you're watching, I mean, because again, I, I just, I, I sometimes I, I feel for you guys because anytime, you know, you, you decide to post a picture on your Twitter this weekend of, you know, Hey, maybe you had a dinner with your wife and it's a picture that there's going to be, you know, 20 comments to that. And, and, you know, seven of those, eight of those might be coach check out my highlight and it's got the kid. It. Or, you know, I mean, I've even seen where people are posting serious stuff like, something's going on in their lives and da da, da And the kid's like, coach, check out my life. You know, I, I just, uh, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, and, and so when you are watching video and you're evaluating these players, you know, I obviously, you know, the height and the weight, the, 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 the measurables, those things are obvious what you're looking at, but just for you and for you guys and who the, the kind of players you're trying to identify, what are some things that you're looking for? Like, yep. You know, he's got to have this, got to have this, got to have this. When you're looking at specifically defensive linemen, high school defensive
1: linemen. I've never, I've never been somewhere where I had the ability to kind of, I mean, we don't, I say it's a handicap to, to have to recruit one person, but at the same time, like we are a really attractive off. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, we do get to vet people. We do get to kind of do our due diligence on who we recruit, um, And, and yeah, we shoot for the stars in a lot of instances. And, and a lot of times we land a, a a great football player, but I mean, you know, we're going after the guy that goes to Wyoming or the guy that goes to Kansas state or air force. And because, you know, they got great science and and math programs at those institutions. And I I used to go to Alabama and like work their camps because they pay phenomenally. um, that's one thing I'll recommend as a young coach is go to the sec camps because they pay phenomenally they feed you phenomenally. I mean, it is what it is, but like you network and meet a bunch of really cool people your age. Um, But, you know, the biggest thing they talked about there is that it was always about, it was like, it was size, it was speed. And then it was length. And I think like X factor. And I got here and it was kind of, like the first defensive lineman I signed was like five eleven, and or six foot, and the next one I signed was, you know, six two, and then I think yeah the nose guard we brought in was five ten, but he was, you know, the 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 five eleven guy had an X factor. I mean, he was just, I mean, his hands were just amazing. He could. He was just really slippery, kind of a little bit of funk to him. I was like, we could harness that and kind of get it into something. Um, The Nose guard was, we got him because he said that he wanted the best degree. He was paying for his education because he had some walk-on opportunities. He's a stud and he's undersized, but it was like, this kid has all the X factor I've ever wanted. And the tackle was a two-way kid from Colorado. And it's like, you know, that's a local guy and he's got, he's got a little bit of size and let's see if we can get out of it. And so we get into, you know, this year's recruiting model and I see this field side in and I'm like, I got to have this. guy. He's like six, one. And I'm starting to look at my depth chart and I'm like, you got a lot of X factors out here. And so it's, you know, we offered like three guys over six, four and we ended up getting two of them. And so I was like, we got all the height, we got all the length, and then we got the size in one kid and the length, and then we got an X factor in the other kid. So it's 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 at this level, having the opportunity to structure your defensive line, and you have to take the best player available. Without without question, he has to take the best player available. But you have to put people around him and it's kind of that old, what is it? the rule. It's like you put one person with three pieces of shit, it'll be the fourth. You put one person with three millionaires to be the fourth, something like that. Well, like if you surround them with enough people that have that natural ability, they'll pick up on some stuff and they'll grow into something you never thought they were projected that they could be. But it takes a little bit of projection and imagination on your part. And then you gotta be you gotta be good at what you do too.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's the toughest thing I would imagine. Um, being at a Division II school where, you know, if you're at Alabama, like, all right, you roll up, say, okay, here's my, you know, here's my uh, inside linebacker prototype. You know, does your kid fall into this? No. Okay, move on down the road. You know, where you guys do have to really be creative and think outside the box and recruit so much on potential because if the kid was – ready made out of the box to be you know a a a, a you know i just an unbelievable player then honestly he's he's going he's going division 1 more than likely right i mean so you do have to be that's why i've always just had so much admiration and respect for division 2 guys because you really do have to uh really really have an eye for talent and and then like you said be be creative enough and be able to to surround those guys to where they're those things that they are good at are, are highlighted. This this is the last question uh, that I'll ask you before we uh, kind of close things up, you know, as the uh, the recruiting coordinator for for my high school, and then um, just talking with other guys and, and just sort of seeing the way things have changed in the last few years, you know, what what advice would you give to to high school guys as we try to promote our kids and get our guys in front of college coaches and um, just just help them get to the next level with you know, it is, I think tougher for high school kids right now with the portal being the way that it is and, and, and all of that, but what advice would you give? Um, you know, maybe there's a a place you've seen that did a really good job of promoting their kids or, or getting their kids stuff out there. What advice would you give high school coaches?
1: It's it's there's, it kind of depends on, on what type of school you're recruiting. Um, because I think, like, it doesn't really, I mean, a lot of times, it doesn't matter who I'm recruiting. I'll get a spreadsheet, and it'll have his 40. He'll have his bench max, squat max, email, huddle highlight link, mama's name, daddy's name, auntie's name, little brother's information. And it doesn't say anything about a GPA. And, and not to mention, they'll, they'll go and just take the kid's word for it on a GPA. And it's kind of like... That is where I'm at and where those guys that you kind of mentioned earlier, VMI and all those places, it's the first thing that we have to look at. Yeah, we look at your height, we look at your weight, but like a very close second is what is your GPA and what is your SAT and what did you get in the math portion of your SAT? And I don't know. I've, I've always been very matter of, I don't know, matter of fact might not be the right word but I've always been kind of to the point um, like the recruit, like the impersonal business that high school football has become. is so distasteful um, that, you know, I love going into high schools and talking to coaches. I've loved it since I was at Graceland university and it's just as hard. Sometimes, I mean, after the season we had, it made it a little easier when we went back down there early in the spring. Um, but like it was, it was kind of hard to get traction as a D2 program to when you walk into a school or an NAI program, when you walk into a school and a lot of NAI schools have more money to offer than some D2 programs, but to get kids in front of coaches, go to your favorite college teams camp. Like I I grew up the biggest Tennessee Volunteer fan, and I can't believe I said that. I've been a closet Tennessee Volunteer fan for like twelve years, it feels like, and it's so hard to say. I mean, I've got stuff (laughs) in a box. I'm waiting for it to come back. Son, like I feel like a Cowboys fan, and I think they are. I'm like, oh man, poor hate to be a Cowboys fan. I'm over here like, man, next year maybe. Hey,
0: yeah, you're talking to one. You're talking to one. So. We okay, can, hey, we so you know, I
1: mean, you yeah. get it. You get it. Like we've been waiting, and it's like I, I, I don't know. You watch these videos of all these poor, like Bengals people who are like ninety six years old. It's like they finally made it. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna make it that. Long. <laughs> I put I put my livelihood in the age of eighteen to twenty two years. I ain't going <laughs> make it tonight. So, yeah. but um, I okay. can't let's go with that. But so uh, about
0: yeah, just just um the impersonal experience with high schools yeah. and.
1: Pick your, pick your favorite college team and go to the camp. Go to the camp, go work out, go get your picture with Nick Savvy, go get your picture with uh, Sarkeesian, go get your picture with you know, your, fate, your, your the program that you grew up with the stuffed animal from the moment you were born. And then evaluate your opportunities, evaluate your skill level and evaluate the camps that you would, that you would venture. Like if you're from Texas, and you're like, I hate snow. I hate the cold. Don't go to a camp in Colorado. Go to a camp in in the Austin area. There's plenty of D3s down there, and they're, from what I've done my research on, they're great. And and like and and I mean, it's kind of you know, so many kids like so many kids I was recruiting this year went to, went to Texas Tech, went to Texas, went to TCU, went to LSU, and didn't go to any other and went to a one mega camp and it's like no oh, coach they said i had a shot they said i had a shot i, I mean coach i said if i do listen to this i'm gonna get a scholarship offer and then february rolls around and this kid just pops up in my dms on twitter and it's like hey coach like you know none of those opportunities really worked out and it's just well come on man like what'd you do this summer? what opportunities did you pursue you're a five. You're a six foot, two hundred and five pound middle linebacker running a four six four. You're dy- you're not dynamic enough to even pursue any of those opportunities. And if they told you you had a chance, that means you probably got somebody at your high school. that's a five star recruit, and they didn't want to piss you off. So, understand who's around you. But like, I think I think go to you know pick one or two man. Maybe one in June. Maybe one in July. You know, go to a camp that you have a team that you love. Um, you know, pursue that, you know, like I grew up in, in Memphis, Tennessee, and, you know, if I was in today's society, I'd have gone to the University of Tennessee, and I'd have gone to the University of Memphis, and I'd have deep, I'd have been a long snapper for both of them, and they'd have been like, you long staff and then I would, like, and I would have gone back, and like, just like you're saying, go to Harding over in Arkansas, go to, I don't know if Lyon had football at the time, um, you know, I should have gone to Bethel up in Tennessee, and, you know, I, I, you know, that's just, that's the way I view how I would have attacked it. Because if you put your name and put your face in front of a program that you genuinely have a shot for, and that program's like, God, if we get that kid, he's a maker. That financial package will directly reflect, hopefully, if it's a good enough program and it's reputable enough, will directly reflect because they'll go do their due diligence and find any amount of money that they can. To make sure that that offer is feasible for you and you're going to take out loans get over it, and you know everybody pursues a full ride and hell man keep pursuing it go community college is free
0: that's some that is some uh, great advice there and I, I think that um you're probably getting a bunch of amens right now from the guys listening to this and maybe a few of them wishing that uh they could get you uh, maybe to come be a guest speaker in their athletic period one of these days. But um, coach, great stuff. Now we're not done with you yet. We're going to get you out of here, but we're going to uh, close out our conversation today with uh, a little bit of a rapid fire, rapid fire being in quotations, because it's not always necessarily rapid fire, but kind of just some random questions we're going to throw at you and uh, let, let you answer them. So uh, what do you say? You cool with that? we'll see what happens. All right. All right. Well, here, here we go. Here's the first one. So I, I have to, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about this because uh, this is a D line podcast and you are from Memphis. So give us your, your, your top Memphis barbecue restaurant from a native. Go ahead.
1: You can probably start at tops. Like you it, it, go tops. Um, you know, That kind of, I mean, interstate barbecue, um, I think it's X lines makes a barbecue pizza that's out of this world. Don't quote me on that. Um, But, you know, you can always go to the rendezvous for the experience. You can always go to the grocery store and buy the same damn thing they have there um, and and save yourself half a line and not walk down a dark alley. Um, But, you know, for the most part anything that looks like it might've been a gas station at one point, is always, always a clutch go-to, but yeah, if I had to say it'd be tops interstate or tops interstate give and take. Um, But yeah, if you're going to go to like one of the mainstream spots, you hit um, central, central barbecue is always a good spot.
0: That's, that was what I was going to say, you know, cause we talked about it earlier, you know, we live an hour from Memphis so we tried a lot of them and, I think it's going to rendezvous is kind of like what you're just talking about with the camps. Like, hey, go there for the experience, Get right? Don't expect a whole lot as far as no. like stuff you've never seen before, but go there <laughs> because that's where everybody tells you to go. Okay. And then you're like, all right, check. I've been there. But then when you really want to go, go somewhere like, like we went to Central um, a couple of times, really liked it. Um, and like you said, that's great if I, Like, if you see something that looked like it, it used to be a gas station, pull in um and, and go go set. check it out that's yeah good, and that's that was true in mississippi like
1: oh, people yeah. don't
0: understand like eating at gas stations is like that's not like a like there's there's legit food in the gas station oh. like pull off and and yeah get you some get you some food there at the gas station okay now that you're in here's a colorado question for you uh since you've been in colorado snowboard or ski
1: man, I can't deal with my feet being locked in place like that. Like, it's some sort of, it's some sort of dilemma. Like, I used to ride a longboard, um, you know, in college when you know, I had long hair and I was cool. Um, but skiing is so much more enjoyable. Like, you talk about something that costs that damn I much agree. money.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, there's there ain't no way I'm gonna sit there and, like, miserably hate it while I just sit in the snow while my feet are locked in, like, this sucks. Like I got paid what, like $80 or $100 for a ski pass, $100 to rent this crap and now I'm just sitting here pissed off. i go play golf if I'm doing that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, for sure I'm with you. I don't I don't have actually haven't been skiing since I had kids, so I'm talking like a go all the time. We were actually supposed to go last year to uh, to Utah oh, my yeah. wife and I but then the um Texas got hit hard by a snowstorm ironically enough when we weren't able to fly out. So uh, but I do definitely um, prefer skiing over snowboarding, um, for sure. So, okay, here's here's a another Colorado question for you. What what would you prefer, a snow game in Colorado or a hot, humid football game in Arkansas? Oh
1: man, game games in the South are tough to beat. Like being down there in Valdosta this year for that that semifinal game. Like I had a quarter, like a little quarter zip on. I mean, I had it zipped all the way down, just like flared open, no undershirt. And I mean, dude, it was. I don't think anything beats football in the South. Um, it's kind of like when it's kind of like when you ask me questions in the in the initial email. It's like when we introduced to football. It's like pretty sure we left church and went to went to football field and did practice, but it was. Um, now football in the South is tough to beat. Snow games, that one we had two years ago in the playoffs versus uh, Commerce, where we got like two feet of snow for the game, had just like walls of snow around it. I mean that was kind of right after Game of Thrones came out, so that was kind of sick. But I'm I'm a tropical. I like I like hot weather.
0: I think I think that if you're from the South, you would probably pick the snow game just because it's a kind of a novelty, and maybe vice versa. I don't know if you polled people who are used to coaching. You know, well, and that's so that, but, and and that's what we would say about hey, okay, uh, August, you know, twenty eighth, whenever our season kicks off down here, and you're in a part of the country where it's extremely humid, East Texas, which is where we are. Like we coming, played
1: West Texas this year, man. We played we played West Texas. I think it's September. Yeah, well, I mean, West awesome. Texas.
0: That's that's see, that's That's a that's a dry heat, but yeah, you're right. West Texas yeah. and Canyon is a great. Great place to play. So that kind of leads me to my next question. This is a common question I ask, but what's the coolest road environment you ever played in? So you've been in some different stadiums. Uh, you you know, you're in a different part of the country than I'm familiar with as far as stadiums go. So what's been the best road environment you've, you've been in
1: Dude, West Texas was awesome. Um, I mean, I still tell them, I mean we walked out there at halftime after halftime for the opening kickoff the second half and the lights start going with like thunderstruck and it's just like and the student sections right behind us with like megaphones and they know all of our names. And I mean they're just like, Trip, you're too young to be bald. And I'm like, Damn, like, ah, who is this kid? <laughs> and I mean, like they knew, I mean, it was that was and they were tasteful about it too. Like that that's one thing I'll give them. They weren't ugly. I mean, I turned around at one point, I think like, right as we went up to score like to win the game and I hit like the student section with the circle game. And I was like, and that they looked and they were like, gosh, oh, like, I, mean, like, ah, I got me, I was kind of like, I got them. And, uh, but I mean, we opened up with grand Valley in grand Valley next year on a Thursday. And uh, oh, I yeah. think if you ask yeah. that same question, September 3rd of, of this year, um, I may or may not
0: have another answer for you, yeah, I'm sure that that would be that would be interesting for sure um okay if if uh, I were to ask your guys in your position group what would they say is your most used coaching cue or phrase, like if they're gonna impersonate you, what might be something they would say that you could say uh, on a podcast?
1: Oh uh, I don't I'm not I don't know I mean I I'm I'm not really a creature of habit. My wife was just talking about that the other day. I don't take the same route to work ever, and she's like, you know, if something ever happens to you, like we're gonna have to check three different routes to find out like if you're okay. And I was like, never looked at it that way. Um, but coaching cues wise, I mean, it's always kind of like I always tell them, I mean, it's it's get dick. and um, and then you know we we preach that, um, but you know, being a college coach and dealing with eighteen to twenty two year olds, you never know what they might catch on to that. I don't know Hey, but, I see. but
0: Get Thick is a really – like, that kind of makes me think I want to change the name of the podcast, you know? What am I I'm, doing? I, get, I'll
1: say this. I, get Thick, I that's, it, that's I a T-shirt it. for sure. Guys have a serious issue with getting their – putting their butt down because they want to see stuff. And I do have a common problem with telling them to toot that thing up. And I'm like, hey, like, get that badass in the air. Like, toot that thing up. Like, let's, let's get flat on the back and, and let's come out get big so that's, bad. that's Yeah, bad. That's
0: okay bad. yeah that's that's a, that's a good one okay um we'll, we'll get you out of here on this one this is one that 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 I haven't used in a while but with you being a small college guy and kind of uh living the nomad life for a while I'm sure you have to have a couple of these. your best recruiting story best recruiting story like I've had some where you know a guy showed up and you know, called a kid the wrong name or, or, you know, just had some different kind of unusual circumstances or um, got lost on a recruiting trip in the mountains. And I don't remember who that was or what that was, but anyway, got lost on the recruiting trip on, on a home visit. That's what it was a home visit. So uh, best recruiting story.
1: Well, I mean, I used to recruit Memphis really heavy. So if you could imagine recruiting the city of Memphis is, is like, um, some good stories. Yeah. Um, I can but,
0: imagine. I can imagine.
1: Yeah. There's some that like, you just, you, 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 you kind of, you walk in and you're just like, Hmm, uh, this is what we're doing. Um, uh, and then like somebody says something to you, like, well, my child's not taken out student loans and you're like, Hmm, okay. Just let keep, keep perpetuating this life. But, uh, I don't know. I usually do pretty good on, on recruiting. Um, I'm myself, which I'm sure other people are like, he's wild. Um, but I, I don't know, man. It's, it's, I don't know. That kid that I recruited from Colorado at that two-way school, and I thought he played eight-man football. And, like, I was talking to his coach the whole time, like, they played eight-man football. And he's like, you know, we play 11, man. And I was like, oh. I, it was it was so bad to watch that I just figured that there was only eight people out there. For the team. <laughs> and, like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's probably the. I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, I wore a cardigan one time, and this like one of the moms walked up and was like, "I bought that same cardigan." And I was like, Damn. <laughs> "Like, I thought a cardigan. I thought a cardigan was like, you know, like mid level swag. You know, I grew up watching Mister Rogers. I was like, you know, that's my own little thing. Like, I used to rock a bow tie and had a beard. And I realized you can't do both. It's just way too much going on in this general vicinity. And then it's just blank as hell, like from here down. So. I think life in general, like I, I just kind of live my own, live my own way, and just see how it plays out.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you're an office fan, but to quote Michael Scott when he accidentally cross dresses, you know, hey, if anything, it's bisexual. Um, <laughs> he's, he's talking about the suit that he's wearing. Uh, that was a woman's yes. suit, so yeah, hey, it was a good
1: cardigan. I think yeah, my hey. mom
0: bought it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, from then on, you and that mom like had this connection. Like, mom was in your corner. You know, so. You um,
1: went to Littlewood the next week. And committed. <laughs> I was like, I let your mom check me on a recruiting visit. And then you had yeah. it like, I was like,
0: wow. I I'm was sure hurt. that I was I'm sure that I'm sure the D line coach there didn't have the same cardigan as cardigan as hey,
1: your mom. So see, I wouldn't have let it be like <laughs> only, only the prom queens of the recruiting process. And parents get to say stuff like that. I There's got, got,
0: you. I, got There's you. I got you. I got you. I got you. Well, Coach, great stuff today. Really enjoyed talking with you, and um, I want to wish you and the ore diggers the best of luck in the twenty twenty two season. And uh, again, thank you so much for joining us.
1: I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you having me on and and sharing a little bit about what we do out here. It's um it's a great place. If y'all ever want to? I mean, if anybody ever wants to come watch practice and and do any clinics, or anything like that? Man, there's there's probably not a better place to um, to hang out. is in our backyard. I've been waiting for you to drop that because I know every guy
0: is probably have not, if they've not, if they didn't already know that they've Googled it probably to this point when they're holding Colorado, I've heard of that. Where is that? So I'm sure you've got, I could probably, I'll put up a, a sign up sheet uh, in the show notes and I'm sure we can get that thing filled up pretty quick for some kind of like spring coaches, you know, Texas high school coaches.
1: Uh, we'll field, get together.
0: Field trip. Yeah. Up there in, in Colorado School of Mines. Well, uh, once again, Coach, appreciate it. Thank you so much.
1: Man, no doubt, no
0: doubt. I appreciate you having me on. Man, I really enjoyed talking with Coach Thomas today and appreciate his his, uh, openness and humor. And also want to thank him for giving us the brand-new name for this podcast. Beginning next week, we'll no longer be known as Keep Your Pads Down, but instead as Get Thick. Actually, you know, on, on second thought, we probably better keep the name what it is i think we might attract a whole different audience if that's that's what we decided to go with but hey i appreciate coach thomas for being with us today make sure you go and give him a follow on twitter you can find him at coach t thomas six so give him a follow and let him know you heard him here on kypd also be sure to give us a follow as well at kypd podcast and if you are a fan of the show then let the world know give us a five-star rating and leave us a review You'll be a whole lot cooler if you do. See, I just just rhymed right there. I mean, it just comes out of me, guys. Sometimes I'm just in the the groove and feeling it. But uh, anyway, our quote of the day goes like this. High level of performance is simply the accumulation of simple, mundane acts. And with that, we will close out this episode with the simple and mundane act of reminding you to join us back here next week where we stay in college football but head even further north to talk D-line play. But until then, hey, have a great week. And Coach
1: Thomas, what else you got for these guys? Just don't forget to get thick and keep the pads down.